0: corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion, hosted by Michael Guyad. My name is
1: Michael Guyad, publisher of the Lead Lag Report. Joining me for the hour is Vincent Brzezzi, the real day trader himself here on Twitter, real day trading. Vincent, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. I know a lot of people follow you here on Twitter and on Reddit, but who are you to the extent you're comfortable, what you're back on, how do you get interested involved in markets, and why focus on day trading?
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Hello, everyone. So, you know, I didn't really take a traditional route here. I was in uh, academia, you know, um, a long time ago. I was a professor of sociology and statistics. It's not worthy. I grew up, like, dirt poor, you know, living in a car, homeless as a kid in New York. Um, it's it freaking cold out there. And I don't know how much that impacted me in terms of how I see money or deal with money or my mindset on money, but mindset certainly came into this. So I left academia. I got tired of the ivory tower, and I went to the movie business. I had a knack for predicting opening weekend box office. I wrote models to do it. I went to the movie business. I started a couple of companies. They did well. I joined some studios. and I eventually. Started a studio myself. The last movie I released was uh, called uh, Unhinged with Russell Crowe. I don't know if anyone saw it in the theater or not. And I hear I'm an executive producer on a Ben Affleck movie coming out this weekend called Hypnotic. But um, I really haven't seen it, so I can't, you know, say whether it's good or not. Anyway, but uh, you know, so I say that because I had a great job, like a dream job. I made movies, right? I made money. I made movies. And you don't get much better than that. But the idea of being just completely financially independent just drew me to the market. And this was before, pre-pandemic, pre the whole, you know, Wall Street bets thing, all that. And so I go in and, you know, I'm a fairly arrogant guy. Uh, and uh, I get my ass kicked, just just smacked around. I mean, my, my account got totals so, what did I do? I filled it back up again and thought, all right, I got this, no problem. And of course, I got my ass handed to me promptly again. I don't like to lose. I have a, you know, I'm a gambler by heart, I have a gambling background, and that certainly impacted me. And I uh, decided, okay, first thing I got to find out is, can this be done? Is it possible? Is it at all possible to trade for a living, right? And when I say trade, I mean day trade and swing trade. I'm talking about short-term trading, you know, where your longest trade is maybe a week or two and your shortest trade is a few minutes. And I looked around and found, yes, you can. But what I started to see was just the whole space was littered with this human scum of, of you know, from YouTube to these what I'll call well meaning idiots on on Reddit giving advice people who have pretty much never been profitable a day in their life telling everyone how to trade and I realized that I'm watching what people who do this for a living do and and then I'm watching what the advice that is being given out there is this huge disconnect so I decided all right I'm not putting another diamond until I absolutely learn everything I can learn so I read right up on it. I learned, I, I, you know, from options to spreads to different methods, different strategies. I opened up a paper account and decided I am not going to move forward until I hit goals that I set for myself. Can I be profitable only shorting? Can I be profitable under 25K? Can I, you know, all different scenarios. Finally, I decided I was ready. I put back into the account. At this point, I was down like one seventy-five, dollars And I haven't looked back since. That was around six years ago. I've had one red month since then. Every trade I make, I post live. I entry, exit, position size, all verifiable. You can see it show up in time and scales on your platform. Um, Any platform can show it. My sizes are large enough. They certainly show up there. Last quarter, verifiable, and I have plenty of followers that keep me honest because they're keeping track of every one of my trades. I made 2.15 million this quarter. I'm behind the pace. I'm up around 450k. But what I decided was one: I don't like people. Period. I don't leave my damn house. Really, I can't freaking stand people. And Not just in a, oh, I don't like people kind of way. Like, if I could hit a button and make, like, 95% go, I would fucking smash it. But what I really don't like is inequity. I hate unfairness. And when I see people who are simply trying to make a better life for themselves, and that's what most people who trade are trying to do, right? They're trying to make a better life for themselves. They're going out and they're, uh, you know, thinking, all right, I want to get, you know, I want to tell my asshole boss I'm done. I'm out because no one gets wealthy from a paycheck. You know, you get trapped in living paycheck to paycheck. And so they decide they're going to try it. They're going to open up an account. And what happens? They get scammed. They get preyed upon. Take my course. Pay Pay me this money. I charge nothing. I don't need people's money. I don't want their money. I am not selling anything. I'm not shilling anything. And I watch these people and their fake lambos, rented lambos in these damn videos and scamming people. And then I go on Reddit and I watch these people, like I said, who's never been profitable telling people how to trade. And I'm like, this is not tenable. This is a real career. This is a real occupation, but people don't see it that way. So I open up a community called Real Day Trading, and I the point of it is, You can learn, it should be called real trading, really, but you can learn how to do this for a living. And I brought, I invited other professional traders in, and it is a very strict community. It's a very tight knit community. It's not as cultish as some would have you believe, but it is very tight knit. Nothing can get posted there unless it's verified. You can't just throw your method or your idea against the wall. It has to be repeatable, consistently profitable. Over time, I need to see it posted in real time, position size, entries, exit, exact position, to to be able to verify that, yes, this works, and the people who are members here deserve to know if something's posted, it's real, and it works. And so I wrote a wiki, uh, 300 and some odd pages, that goes step by step to tell people, this is what you have to do. It takes two years minimum of hard work to get there. That's my story. I'm sticking to it.
1: Okay, so let's uh let, let's unpack some of this. Okay, so you, you it sounds like you've had a, a fairly successful career obviously on the Hollywood side. Presumably you've made some good money, you know, over the years from that. Um why not just do it uh, in terms of the way probably other people in Hollywood do it who have good income uh in the way of just giving to some advisor why is it that you feel that you need to have uh, direct control over it and and uh, still do all the other things
2: that you're doing one thing like i really got like i said i got sick of the people the the stereotype in hollywood's real and i just really got sick of dealing with the hollywood type people they they're they're exactly as you imagine them to be not all of them but by and large Uh, I enjoyed making movies. I enjoyed that process. But I just, you know, I wanted a different challenge. And the market is certainly a huge challenge, right? It's, can you as a retail trader, do what uh, institute, you know, what what 90% of retail traders can't seem to do? Can you be consistently profitable? So the challenge drew me. It was fun. And quite frankly you can you know the potential you can make more money than i was making even uh as a hollywood executive so and i was making as you said i was making decent money so you know all that kind of drew me to it but then when i saw just how messed up the space was how here you have this opportunity for people and it's just not you know when most people think of trading they think of you know going in and scalping low float gappers. And that's not what it is. That's not how you trade for a living. And it's such an opportunity. And it's an opportunity, you know, it surprised me how few, well it didn't surprise me, but how few women are in the space where this is a place where the market doesn't give a shit. Right. I mean, there's no pay gap here. In and but it's not a welcoming community to women who want to come in. So there were just so many there was just so much potential for this space to really take people and and break them out of that paycheck to paycheck prison. And it wasn't being used. And so I saw the challenge and I jumped into it. How do you manage um time? I mean you are doing all of the work you're doing during the day, presumably
1: it's pretty high demanding. Uh trading itself is is pretty demanding itself. How do you how do you navigate sort of the uh the aspects of where you put your effort and how much effort you can put into
2: this versus the hollywood side i'm out of the i mean i retired from hollywood so i do this full-time and you know i'm sitting here every day from i I hate the fact on the west coast i get like 6 30 in the morning but i have you know six monitors i have a bloomberg terminal to my left i have my um so i i trade through a Larger account through uh, JPM, which goes through the Bloomberg terminal here. I have another account that I trade through Ameritrade here in front of me on another uh, monitor. I have, um, in three different chat rooms and communities that I'm talking to people and trying to answer their questions and help them. I do tr- live Twitter spaces to trade live so people can follow along. So, I mean, I devote 100% of my work time to this. So to me, this is my job right now. That, I, you know, I'm no longer... I get calls every now and then, hey, can you read this script? Can you look at this? But I'm not in any way employed by Hollywood anymore.
1: Gotcha. Okay, I understood. Okay, so, so let's talk about just some of the things that you did to self-educate. You mentioned some of the options side, but what were some of the sources that you yourself went to
2: in the beginning? You know, I couldn't find any... Um, the, you have the typical books. You have the Macmillan book. You know, you have a lot of these books are very, very dry. And what I found was the basic education, you know, much like poker, much like chess, it doesn't doesn't take long to learn the basics. Unfortunately, a lot of people jump in without knowing the basics. So I don't want to underplay it. And as we all know, there's a difference between, you know, we all remember in college or high school, where if you you know, memorizing is one thing, but truly understanding is another. And a lot of people don't truly understand options, for example, and how they actually work and how market makers are, are working the bid spread and all of that. And that takes time. But what, what really hit me and to me out there, Tom Hulgaard really kind of hits the nail on the head. Mindset is 90, 85, 90% to put an arbitrary number on it, but a lot of trading, which is why you can, you know, everyone can look at the same support and resistance levels. Everybody can look at the same technicals and you have 90% losing money and 10% not. And, you know, traders, the mindset that traders have in life is quite literally the opposite mindset you need to be a successful trader. And one thing I found which is interesting is wealthy people and I was surrounded by these people. And I'm I do well, but when I say wealthy I'm talking about people who write the checks. And they have a different mindset that people who live paycheck to paycheck and grew up in a in an environment that was paycheck to paycheck don't have. When you grow up or live in a paycheck to paycheck environment, you have a mindset that thinks the moment something, for example, good happens, right? You get a raise or, you know, your fiance just, you know, said yes to you or whatever, something good in your life, you immediately think, when's the other shoe going to drop? When's some, when bad shit going to start happening to me? Right. Because that's what you're used to. You're used to it, the moment something good happens, something bad's going to happen. And then oddly enough, when things aren't going your way in life, your mindset becomes, this will turn around I'm due right it can't it can't always be bad eventually something good's going to happen to me and so bring that mindset to trading and what happens the moment you're in profit what do you do i got to take profit why because the market's going to take it away i don't want to lose this profit you never went broke making a profit right yeah yeah you're freaking have uh, and you do so you immediately think that other shoe's going to drop i have to take profit so when your thesis is proven right you bail. And then on the opposite end, when your trade's going against you, what do you think? It's going to turn around. It's going to get better. It's going to to reverse. And so when your thesis is proven wrong, you hold. And that really sums up the huge mindset disconnect. And it takes a long time to break that mindset. And it takes a whole process to do it. But if I had to boil it down. That is what in my learning process. That was the aha moment of oh okay, this is this is the problem. You, we're we're all taking profit too quickly and we're holding on to losers too long. It's oversimplified there, but that that's the issue that needs to be fixed. And on top of that, people have no clue how to read a macroeconomic environment. This market's a ticking time bomb right now, right? I don't. I mean, people are out there with these bullish. I mean, seriously, have. Have you seen the credit default swap numbers? Uh, have you have you seen how much money is being poured into TLT right now and into gold? It, it, that does that not, not tell people something? But, you know, people don't have a education on the macroeconomic environment. And with in, tools like ChatGPT and others, there's no excuse to not learn that stuff as a trader. I want to
1: for a question. There's a lot that I I agree with you on as far as just sort of the the broader risks, which we'll we'll tease out. But if you're there, go ahead.
2: We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Hello, listeners. Michael Gaia here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report slash lead lag live and get an exclusive 30% off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the lead lag report. And now back to our discussion.
2: Great question. So first, it is essential to me, in in my opinion, that you have a Trading journal, right? Um, there are many out there. I use TraderSync. I like TraderSync, but there, TraderView. There, there are plenty out there that work. And the reason for that is I can look back at my last thousand trades, whatever number of trades, and see the statistics there. And I could see my win rate on certain setups. And when it comes down to it, you, you know, as a professional trader, you have to treat it like a business. And as a business, you have to say, okay, this is how much money I need to take out of my account as profit every month. And this is I'm going to leave the base in. And to do that, there's only four numbers that really matter. It's what is your win rate? Right. What is your average number of trades a day? What is the amount of money you're making when you uh, have a winning trade? What's the average amount you're losing when you have a losing trade? So your profit factor. And you can look at those four numbers and adjust it to see. All right, this is what I need to hit my target. But when you have a trade that's winning, and you look back and you can rely, and you have you have the confidence because of those statistics, saying, "All right, I know this works X percent of the time." That can give you the confidence to stay in a trade. It's also a matter of making sure you're taking you know you're taking trades that are taking the market into account. The market has to come first. What is the market doing? Is your trade in the direction of the market? What does the daily chart look like if you bullish on a trade? Is your daily chart through all this all the moving averages? Is it um, have a bullish profile? Is it through all the trend lines? Um, is the market in your direction? Does it have? And to me, every trade has to have relative strength against the market if I'm long, or relative weakness against the market if I'm short. And I don't mean that RSI bullshit. Measure, which is just the worst crap measure in the history of crap measures. And anyone who says, Oh, I use it, it works. Yeah, let me see how much you actually make a month. Zero. RSI is crap. I'm talking about when the market is going up, that stock is going up proportionally more than the market. If it's going down, that stock should be flat or even going up a little. It has strength independent of SPY. When I say the market, I mean SPY here. Because SPY has a gravitational pull and it's going to pull 75 to 80% of the stocks, even the ones not in it, along with it, biotech stocks and your low float stocks aside. And you can, what we're really trying to do as retail traders is isolate the institutional buying and selling. Everything else is noise because we want to follow that. That's the trend we want to follow. Traders tend to counter trend trade, and when it's at the top, they want to short, and at the bottom, they want to go long, and they'll keep doing it until they're broke. It doesn't work. You want to follow the trend. This whole damn the man and screw the hedges and great, they're the ones making money. And so you want to follow them. And the only way to do that is to isolate what they're doing. And to do that, you got to figure out that stock has strength against the market that gives you more confidence if the trade's going in your favor that even if the market goes against you this stock is not going you're going to have time there's a buffer there and then it just comes down to the mindset of you know i mean look imagine you made a bet on a i don't know a baseball game and your team is up 3 nothing and you the person you bet against says would you like to get out now would you like to double the bet would you like to keep it as is most people would double the bet at that point, but in trading when it's going your way and you're up now the three nothing, you think oh i I'll, I'll get out of it, I'll get out of that bet." You would never get out of that bet if you were up three nothing in that game in the fifth inning you would you would press it you would you would increase the money you have in that bet because your odds of winning now are like eighty percent, but in trading. Because we remember all the times it's burned into our brains, all the times we were up and that it reversed on us, and we conveniently forget all the times it didn't, well, that's where the fear comes from. So I carry them up with something called the walkaway analysis. And it's quite simple. You look at all the times where you exited. Then just on a chart, or you could do an Excel, anything. What was the price five minutes after you exited? What was it? An hour after? What was it at the end of the day? What was it at the end of the next day? You will find your profit will have exponentially increased had you stayed in those winning trades. And you, by looking at that and just looking at the raw numbers right in your face, going, my God, if on average I stayed in my trades two hours longer, I would have made 40% more. That is hard to deny. And when you see that, Time and time again, it helps you stay in it helps gives you the confidence you need to not only stay in but increase your position
1: so, so let 's talk about that actually a little bit. that point about increasing the position Vincent I mean you know arguably, if you want to get really outsized returns you 've got to take some kind of increased weighting or high conviction type of bet right so as you yourself are trading around positions in your portfolio, do you have certain limits that you when you talk about pressing, yeah, how, how hard do you press on a particular
2: position? It, it depends on, on how much it's going in my, in my favor. But for example, right now I have 10,000 shares of Amazon going well in my favor. I may add another 5,000 if it hits 113 because I have a market that's going down and I have a stock that's going up against the market, which means I have institutions Pouring money into that stock. I want to follow that trend. So I want to increase my position in it, even though I'm in profit right now. Whereas, you know, CTD has been an absolute pain in the ass. And so once that gets to break even, I will probably get out because I don't like the price action on it, even though it had good earnings. So it, it depends on the price action and it depends on the stock. But if the stock's going in my favor, I will press, 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 increase position until in, in I'm fully in belief that I will max out every dime of my buying power on any given day. But what, what percentage? I mean, you talk about the numbers,
1: but, you know, what percentage of a portfolio typically? I mean, presumably you've got some limits as far as, you know, you don't want something to be 50 percent of your.
3: We'll be back after a quick break.
2: of your holdings? For better or worse, I generally don't. I I tend to diversify, you know, so I try to make sure I don't have more than one position or two positions in the same sector or industry. If I have, you know, one semi, I'm not going to have, you know, if I have NVIDIA, I'm not going to be also long AMD, for example. But I will at times, you know, put in up to 50 percent on one trade if it is going my way. But I rarely look at the total percent of buying power I'm putting in on a single trade. There have been trades where I came close. I think I had a Lulu trade where I had around 75% of my buying power into that trade. And I have around 24 million in buying power because you get, you know, Four times, five times, uh, four times on day trading buying power. So there are times where I've had a significant amount into a single trade if I am very bullish or bearish on it. I'm and I mean I'm bearish on the market right now. Usually, I mean, we're in a very unique position. As I said, you have, you know, credit default swaps going up. That means you have a lot of people who are are paying more and more money to insure against a financial collapse. You have A disconnect, an absolute disconnect that I've never seen before, where you have a market pricing in up to three rate cuts this year by a Fed that has said point blank, I'm not cutting damn rates. I mean, you know, call Powell what you will, but the guy doesn't strike me as someone who's not, you know, he's a fan of Volcker. He the last thing Powell wants to do is cut rates. And if you're pricing in three rate cuts against the Fed that has no intention of cutting rates, something has to give there. That is a huge market disconnect. On top of that, you obviously have the debt, you know, the whole debt problem going on with the debt limit. You have the banks uh, and the financial issue on on a potential credit squeeze. And you have the fact that we're through a CPI, through major earnings, through economic numbers, and we have not yet broken out above 415. So all that tells me is we're currently range bound because there are several, oh, my God, economic apocalypse potential triggers on the horizon, and investors are just not quite ready to dump their money in equities. I agree. And look, you know, a zero interest rate policy looks great until it isn't. And it's just another version of trickle-down, right? It's just another version of here's free money, but not for you. Here's free money for large companies that are going to take that money that and borrow it against no interest and use it, right? And the idea, oh, it'll create jobs. It'll create this. Well, we, we have one of the lowest uh, unemployment rates in history right now with a higher interest rate. If they drop that interest rate back down and loosen the, the policy before we get inflation to 2%, I, I believe it'll be disastrous. But so I don't think Powell, whose hero is Volcker, would do that or is going to do that. But if you look at these, uh, you know, you go to the CME website, CME group, and the, and the probabilities they have, you have priced in right now 100% probability that rates are going to be cut. And a 80% probability that the rates at December will be 450 or below. That is insane. There's nothing to, to verify that. There's nothing to say that's going to occur. But the market has that priced in. And even with that priced in, we're still unable to break above. And you know, with money being poured into TLT right now, I just saw a huge thing J- JPM informed me a huge amount of money got poured into the December out of the money TLP calls, money going into gold, you know, tend, when billionaires tend to stop putting their money into equity and start putting it into, oh shit, money uh, safety, That that's usually a sign for me that um, at least on long-term holdings, one should at the very least hedge themselves, get some VIX, get some, you know, get some spy puts. You know, do something to hedge your long-term investments in this environment.
1: But also, it's it's I it go, go back to that that phrasing of pressing. You want to be you want to be careful pressing too hard on the short side because you and I both know that the speed with which markets move on the downside tends to be very different than the upside. So if you press too hard on the short side, you might be doing it too late. Yes.
2: Yeah, and and that's why a lot of my my plays are very short-term. To me, this is a short-term trader's market. It's even very difficult to swing. You know, I've talked to a number of what I consider to be very successful professional traders that make their living doing this. They they've been doing it. You know, some of them have been doing it since you know before you know the the crash in two thousand. That's way before my time, and they have all said one one by one, this is the hardest market they've ever traded, bar none. It is unpredictable it is it you know bear markets by definition rely less on technicals and technicals are a trader's bread and butter right without them you, you don't have anything but bear markets are driven by external news more than bull markets are by far and when you get these external news drops that come in whether it's a fed speaker that day coming and spouting off or it's a a new news about um the invasion in the Ukraine or anything like that, the market reacts and at that point in time it doesn't give a shit about your support and resistance levels it'll blow right through them so it becomes very difficult to swing positions in that environment
1: so what do you do in this in this period so, I mean presumably you don't have to You don't necessarily have to trade every single moment of every single day, right? I mean, I'm going to make the assumption that you sit out some periods. But what do you do in this kind of environment where things are risky, but the risk is also that uh, things could surprise on the upside, too?
2: You know, I take very short-term trades. One, you know, so for example, today, I grabbed uh, 10,000 shares of you at $32.09. I sold it at $32.59. That's you know $5,000 dollar a win. Yeah, I shorted Nvidia earlier this morning, and now I just increased my Nvidia short by buying um, in the money puts. Um, I will close those by the end of the day and take that profit. So I am really doing a very quick turnaround on these to maximize the take advantage of the volatility that I'm seeing, but also not leave myself open to the immense amount of risk. That some of these overnights will have. With that said, I am taking some risk. I'm doing some earning plays. You know, I shorted Disney, well, because I'm very familiar with it before earnings last night. I went long on TTD before earnings last night. So I am doing some of those more risky plays because what I found was my monthly return was going down by about 15, 20% a month since the bear market started. So I had to find alternative sources of revenue other than the method I was using to make up for that for that downfall. And some of those alternative methods was finding an edge in doing some earnings trades. Talk about um, your worst trade. And with the caveat that worst
1: is not necessarily a function of performance, but Something that maybe you would not repeat in terms of the way that you looked at that trade or or the setup,
2: yeah, uh God, it was, it was one recently about six months ago, so I short snow right, and it looked bearish at the time, and snow starts going up, I think I shorted it was at like around one twenty somewhere around there, and it starts going up, and I started out with five thousand shares short, so then i I uh averaged down first bad mistake, right. At around 130. Now I have an average of around 125 and 10,000 shares. It goes up again. I average down again. I held that stupid stock all the way up to around 170, taking a 40 some odd dollar loss on that trade because for some stubborn reason, I could not accept the fact that snow was not going to drop. And I felt the market was going to drop. I felt snow was going to drop. It was overpriced, and it it just kept going up. And of course, what happened that literally the day after I bailed on that trade and took, I think it was like close to a $750,000 loss on it, the damn thing starts tanking. And within five days, it was pretty much back down to my entry. That wasn't fun. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, that's going to happen. Well, I think it's the other part, too, about going
1: back to the name of the space around scams and and sort of the space in general, you rarely hear about people's losses, right? The the scammers are not scamming based on the integrity of showing that they lose money. They're doing it based on the bullshit that they're winning every single
2: day. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's why I tell people like one of the, I mean, one of the benefits, not selling anything. They see all of my trades, good, bad, and ugly. They see my losses. They see, you know, plenty of times I'll, Get out of a trade, take the loss, and then watch it turn around. It just happened on Boeing, which is the, that stock is the spawn of Satan somehow. It it like some weird black magic shit is going on with Boeing that that you just can't friggin' trade the stock. But they just watched me get my ass kicked on that. I'm a very big believer in if anyone out there is is showing you a hundred percent win rate or ninety five, just shut the. No, no, this is not how it works. And I have a standing challenge out there to any of those furus or scammers. Come trade me head to head and 100 trades. If you can out trade me, I have what 10,000 followers on Twitter, around 40,000 on Reddit. I will 100% recommend whatever your damn service is to everyone. And they know if I recommend something, it, it's good. So, but if I beat you, and out you, you have to refund every single person who's paid you money to, to for you to scam them. As of yet, I haven't had a single taker. wonder why.
1: Let's talk about um, what would make you more optimistic. Um, so I'm with you on the Treasury side. Listen, I've been very vocal myself. I think, you know, with my intermarket analysis approach that Correction started third week of April. I say that based on breadth. I say that based on a lot of other intermarket dynamics. Utilities have not yet given sort of a real conf- strong confirming signal of defensiveness. That also tends to be a leading indicator of tail risk. Treasuries are getting there. They're certainly acting more like that flight to safety type of dynamics. But what would cause you to, to get uh, optimistic and take a real contrarian bullish bet? Is it as simple as markets crap out? Or does something else need to happen?
2: You know, it, it would have to be a combination of of a, obviously, obviously, first and foremost, I would need a technical confirmation there, right? I would need some technical confirmation that SPY, for example, is over 420 and staying there. So that that is first and foremost, I would need to see the market be able to do that. But. On top of that, I would have to see some macroeconomic resolution, a continued decline in inflation without a uh, indicators that we're going to be in for anything but a mild recession. Right now, I do not have faith that it would be a mild recession, and nor do I have faith that we'll be at 2% anytime soon. But That could change, right? I mean, uh, unemployment has been very stubborn and staying, even though the numbers this morning notwithstanding, staying very tight. So it would have to be a combination of technical and macro support that says we're in a bull market and not just a bunch of those, you know, pain in the ass talking heads out there that love to change their message every other day about we're in a bull market, we're in a bear market, you know, one piece of advice that people don't listen. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to the talking heads. Don't listen. You know, I, I use trade exchange because I have a, a a flow of news that comes and headlines, but turn CNBC off. Their, their job is not to tell you what's actually happening. So technical confirmation and macroeconomic confirmation would get me confident. And then I would start You know, I would start buying long term leaps in uh, leap calls in, you know, uh, certain stocks that I feel are strong companies. I'd sell calls against those leaps. I would start selling puts. Um, I don't sell puts on a stock unless I want to own the stock. So I would start doing that more often. That would change my my trading mindset um, if we started to get into that more optimistic space. Talk about
1: uh, sources of information for you. So if it's not going to be from traditional media, and I share a lot of that sentiment, is it just you're looking at charts? Or are you doing other kind of research, looking at other places for ideas? How do you how do you go about your own due diligence?
2: One, I have the benefit of having an entire desk at uh, J.P. Morgan that I work with to trade with that have access to a great deal of information and i um, able to Get, I'm able to ask them those questions. I'm able to ask them, you know, before, for example, Tesla reported, has there been any change in the expectation on the gross margin for Tesla over the last month, even though they're cutting the the price of the cars? Have you seen on your client side any indication that that's been changed? Or, and I'll get those answers, right? So I get good information there. And my policy is, is whatever information I get from there, I share. I do not believe I should be the only person. I should not have access to that information if everyone doesn't have access to that information. As you can see, this unfairness thing is very important to me. So if they tell me, I tell everyone else. They also offer things like exotic options and and the... The advantage we can do a whole show on the advantages that people who have money have over those that don't. It's just sickening. I do not take advantage of anything that can't be done by a a retail trader. I use trade exchange and I look at the headlines, and you know, part of it is experience, part of it is you know, looking at there's a difference between a recycled headline or a headline that's meaningful a headline that's company-specific, or a headline that's, you know, I'm going to see 100 headlines about the talks on this, you know, the the debt limit going on. They're meaningless headlines. All of them are meaningless until we actually see and get close that there's some resolution there. And that's only going to happen when the CEOs of major corporations start calling these politicians and telling them, Okay, enough. You need to stop fucking around and, and raise the limit. Then you'll see some action. Until then, those headlines, all they're gonna do is trigger the algos and move the market a bit. But other than that, you know, I take them all with a grain of salt.
1: What's um what would you say is your biggest piece of advice for you traders? You mentioned you've been doing this, I think you said for you know, started kind of heavily six years ago. You you learned along the way. Uh, what kind of things should people think about when they're at the earlier part of their journey.
2: Stop expecting success. You're going to lose. You're going to lose for probably for two years. You can mitigate that loss by, you know, I recommend very strongly. First, you spend however, usually you can run six months paper trading, which I get there's no emotional connection to, but do it until you have a 75% win rate and a profit factor of two for three consecutive months. Three months. When you're finished with that, then go and trade only one share, one share, no more than one share. I don't care how much FOMO you get, one share. And then you do that until you have three consecutive months of a win rate of 75% and a profit factor uh, 2.0. Once you did and hit those benchmarks, only then should you put your money in and start trading and trade with a method that you now know over the period that you spent, doing the paper trading and the one share, you should have been journaling all that, that you now have a consistent, repeatable, profitable method that's almost muscle memory with an edge. But more than that, that time spent, and it takes about two years to learn it and then hit those milestones, is resetting your mindset. It's resetting your ability to stay patient, to stay in winning trades, to get out of trades when you need to get out of them. It is setting your mindset back to zero and building it back up to what it needs to be, and only then put your money in. Coming in and thinking you're going to just open up an account, take your money, start buying calls, out of the money call, lotto ticket bullshit and and you're going to make money, you're not. You 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 might have one or you just like you might go to a casino and win one or two times, you're going to lose in the end. It's not going to work. If you want to make money doing this, it's going to take time dedication, effort, I've, I've gone through graduate school, I've gone through being, I mean, this is that level of time and effort and study. Because think about the time you put in to get a shitty job, to climb the ladder, to get a shitty cubicle, to answer to a pain in the ass boss, it's probably some ass nephew or, or niece or whatever that, that doesn't know shit, and and you worked your ass off, long hours, just to get that VP title and that one hundred and fifty thousand a year salary. And you what? You worked eight nine years to do that. Well, how much is it worth to you to be able to roll out of bed and if you have an internet connection to be able to have find complete and total financial independence and freedom? You think that comes by just opening up an account and going? I got this. No, it takes time. So my number one piece of advice: stop expecting you know better and that you're going to make money. You're not going to make money until you learn how to do this and treat it like the job that it is.
1: The remaining few minutes here, um, Vince. I, I'm going to assume that there are some parts of you know your prior life on the Hollywood side that you miss. What are those parts, if any? I mean, I, I, I get the cynicism and I can understand you know, without obviously being in it um, where that comes from, but there must've been some good things in your career that you look back on and and kind of miss a bit.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I miss the creative process of it. I miss you know talking with a writer, going over a script. I miss seeing the end result on the screen, watching audiences laugh at a comedy, jump at a horror movie that I know I helped make. You know, so I miss seeing the the the, the fruits of your labor. I guess you could say, in trading the fruits of your labor is money that that's your you know it's kind of like almost like a video game it's a score oh i had a high score today great but you know making movies it you get the movie in the end and that is that's fun it's as fun as it sounds you're making a film so i miss that i miss being part of that process i miss the challenge of you know the reason i go by the name harry selden is when i was a kid i got obsessed with the foundation series from Isaac Asimov. My youngest son's middle name is Isaac. And in that series, the lead character uh, comes up with a method to predict human behavior. And that's what I specialized in um, statistical modeling to predict human behavior based on that obsession. And I missed the idea of coming up with models and, and ways to predict consumer behavior and to market to them and come up with marketing campaigns as well. I headed up marketing at a studio, and that was fun to come up with the trailers. And then, how do you, how do you, how do you micro target people? And the methods that we use to micro target, if I tell you they're, I mean, you can imagine they're very, they can be get down to creepy level, but they're very effective. And yeah, I miss that. I miss the creativity of that process.
1: How do uh, people find you, Vincent, and track some of the uh, work that you do and, and thought you have?
2: Three different ways. One, I am a member of the one option community. I, I don't work there or anything. I, I help run the chat room, but the one option community is to me the best trading community out there if you want to ever join a trading community. So I'm always there. I'm in the real day trading subreddit, and you can contact me there or on Twitter at Real Day Trading. So those three places, I try to answer everybody. And as long as they show that, hey, they've read the material, they've put in some work, if you have questions and need help, I'm here. But those three places, I'm very accessible. And I'm also, um, I believe there is a uh, a Real Day Trading Discord that they have put together. And um, I'm in that Discord room. So. I used to hate Discord, but they put this Discord together and it's actually much better than the chat function on Reddit. So I can put the link to that on my my Twitter page, but I'm selling you nothing. I have nothing to sell. I have, n- I have, I have not. I don't have a course. I don't have, you know, uh, I'm not shilling anything. So uh, if you just need to contact me, I'll just give you the ways uh, on my Twitter page.
1: Thank you for joining and hopefully I will see you all tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Vince. I appreciate it.
3: Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don’t forget to follow at Leadlag Report on X, Instagram, Threads and YouTube, and check out the Leadlag report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code podcast30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.